Let's go to God's Word, Romans chapter 5. Why don't you turn there with me? We are uh, in uh, a series talking about the words uh, to be thankful for. And I hope that you're uh, enjoying this. I hope that this is something that is encouraging to your heart. I, I know that you're people that are grateful. You share with me all the time uh, good things that you're thankful for that the Lord has done. Um, but I, even as I was thinking about these fires, so often we can look at the things that we have or the good things that are just with us and forget that they might be taken away. Uh, they might not be there. Uh, we uh, are grateful for our health, uh, but sometimes our health isn't good. And so can we still be thankful uh, during those days, during those times? And so uh, as we look uh, to God's word this morning in Romans chapter 5, I hope that this is an encouragement to you of something to be thankful for. As I consider the folks in Paradise and Malibu and various other places where uh, they've had fires, I can imagine uh, what that would look like uh, to stand looking at my home, uh, but it's a pile of rubble, or going to the spot uh, where a family member perished in a fire, what that would be like. I can't imagine it, like I can't uh, think it through what that would be like, what I'd be thinking, but I, I can imagine it would be overwhelming. And as they come to this time where we recognize and are thankful uh, for what God has done in this past year, what could we say? What could we say that we're truly thankful for? I believe it's the things that we're going to talk about this morning. Romans chapter 5 uh I want to read to you the first 11 verses. And so if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read these to you. God's word says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering, that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom He has given to us. For while we, uh, we were Still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. But one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, uh, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now we are reconciled shall be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. And God, we ask Your blessing on Your Word. Help us to understand uh 
get a glimpse of its riches and the riches that are found in your son, the riches that you gave us when we didn't deserve it. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, uh, as we go to this passage, we start once again with uh, the word, uh, really the bad news, the bad word, um, and it's the word enemy, the word enemy. It's what we were. Uh, If you think about your uh, place before God, before God, uh, before Christ entered your life, what were you? Uh, There's many words you can use. You could say sinner. We're going to talk about that today. The word that I'd like to focus on and then describe to you is that you were an enemy of God, an enemy of God. You and I, we're apart from Christ. We're an enemy of God. It's as if we were in active war with him. And as uh, we looked at who we were fighting against, we were we were against the God of the universe. Our sin has placed us against the God of the universe. I want to go through some words this morning. And this this passage is packed, is packed with words that describe uh, this picture of us being an enemy of God. He starts out this, uh, this passage and he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We're going to get to that peace. Um, but, but this is, this is where we stand. If you look down at verse six, I'm not going to be able to talk about every little point in these 11 verses this morning, but the describing of the enemy of God goes like this. And in verse six, it speaks of us being weak, weak or powerless, powerless. Uh, if you see someone or you know someone or you are someone that doesn't know Christ, I want to describe to you what God uh, would say about you spiritually is that you can be termed weak, too weak to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Uh, this weakness is the picture of powerless, powerless. Uh, we talked two, three weeks ago now about um, where we were in our sins and Ephesians 2 tells us we're dead in them. And because of that deadness, there was no ability, there was no strength to spiritually accomplish what we needed to accomplish. And so to think of yourself being an enemy of God, too weak to fight, too weak to fight. He goes on in that same verse, verse 6, and and this just continues to compound how bad it truly is, okay? He says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So uh, there's another word that you could describe yourself apart from God, apart from a relationship with him. I am ungodly or I am against him. I am nothing of what he is. We... We like to think of ourselves as good people, but the point of being ungodly is that there's no goodness in us. That, that, that we weren't, uh, marked by this, uh, good godly person that looked a lot like the one who created us. So we are weak. We were ungodly. In verse eight, uh, you look down and this is, um, 
Frankly, this is one of the words that we teach our, our children when we're sharing the gospel with them over and over again. Uh, it, it speaks in verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, sinners, the word sinners uh, is guilty of sin, uh, ones who are marked in their life by sinful activity. If you're, um, if you commit a crime, uh, and they identify you as the one who committed the crime, they say, you're a criminal. You're a criminal. Why? It's because of what you did. That's what makes you a criminal. In the same way, sinner, sinner identifies us as the ones who committed sin. Now, sin, as you think about what, what sin is, um, Sin is the act of rebellion against the holy God. It's saying to God who says, this is the way I want you to live. This is what I've called you to do. It points to the people who say, no, I'm going to do what I want. I've got a better idea. I'm not going to listen to you. It takes on that position and really uh, sinners, when they sin, they take on the position of God. They say, I don't have to listen to you. I'll listen to myself and decide what I want to do. And I'll make myself my own God. And so um, as we look at God's word, he is describing the bad news. And, you know, as this goes on, as we look at this, we see this. Um, if you look down... uh at verse 8, it speaks of uh, the, the, this love for us. And, and we're going to get there to this love, but realize that the love that God has displayed is, is great in and of itself, but it's magnified at the ugliness of our sin. Uh, when we see the love of a young couple that are going to get married and and we say, oh, they're perfect for each other. They love each other so much. And But we're equating, we're saying that they're lovely. At the one that it makes sense. Uh, this passage is highlighting that it doesn't make sense. Um, that it's an amazing thing that we, we look at that Christ would love us that the Father really would love us in His Son, Jesus. If you look down at verse uh, 9, it says, Since therefore we have uh, been made justified by His blood, much more shall we be, made, uh, be saved by Him from the wrath of God. I want to bring that in. So, uh, being enemies of God, being sinners, ungodly, weak, uh, this makes us, and we've spoken of this in the last couple of weeks, this makes us the object of his wrath. That God's anger is turned on the ungodly. Uh, so often, and, and rightly so, we're going to talk about it this morning, uh, people quickly run to the fact that God is a God of love, and he is, he is. But forget this. Don't forget this, okay? Uh, people do, but don't you do it. 
that God is a God of wrath. And what's interesting, uh, I'm going to ask you a personal question. How many of you have a, a, an anger problem sometimes? I'm raising my hand right here. You flip out sometimes. You say things you shouldn't say. Some of you are pointing. Don't do that. Uh, uh, some, of us, some of us kind of flip out. And uh, what usually happens when we flip out is our family just kind of go, they roll their eyes and walk away. Your kids are standing behind you going, you know, there, there's this thing that our anger, you know, you say, well, what are you angry about? My sports team didn't win, you know. Uh, uh, my car didn't work. Uh, you know, we're having spaghetti instead of lasagna. You know, it, it's it, it doesn't make sense. It, we we get fired up about things that are inconsequential. And when we see people getting angry, we say, oh, the foolish ones, are they've, they've lost it. When you read the wrath of God, when you read about the anger of God, it's very different from our anger. It's uh, perfect. It's the perfect response to what has gone on. And his anger is perfectly identified with our sin. It's appropriate. It wasn't he he wasn't the one to shake an angry fist in our face. We were the ones who did that to him. And so by our actions, by the things that we've done, being weak, ungodly sinners, we have become the object of his wrath apart from Jesus. And so you could say it like this. We've identified irreconcilable differences between us and God. Uh, There's, uh, as is described in the book of Romans, and Romans is a great book for this because it talks about it and uh, goes over and over again how we could be justified. It doesn't make sense to us. You could also say it as this, that we have unsolvable problems, enemies of war. That this is an unsolvable, there's no way to get a truce. You you know how you make peace in this world, right? You just get too tired of fighting, right? It costs too much. And over time, uh, enemies rarely come together and hug it out, right? Uh, most of the time, they just run out of money and patience and then back away and say, ah, oh, we'll just, we'll just call it okay and we'll, uh, go for a cold war for many years after this. I want to point this out that as, um, as we look at the bad news of us being an enemy of God, God will never tire. Uh, he will not give up on his holiness. We will always be, apart from the reconciliation that needs to come, we will always be an object of his wrath, apart from Jesus. We're stuck there. I've been using that word stuck. It's a good word, because we can't get out. It's a place where we, we can't figure it out. We can't uh, negotiate uh, something that would work. So the bad news is that we are an enemy of God. One writer said it this way, and I thought it was a good, like, 
uh, succinct picture of what we're talking about here is righteous Christ for sinful people. Righteous Christ for sinful people. And I, I know that many of us feel real comfortable with that because we've heard it over and over again. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. It should shock us. It should shock us that righteous Christ would die for sinful people. As we move on, we get to uh, the good word, peace, peace with God. And I, I want to make a distinction. Uh, um, this isn't the peace of God. This isn't the peace of God. That comes out of this, okay? This is peace with God, with God. That that we get, we get because of Jesus, Peace with God. No longer enemies, no longer war, no longer objects of wrath. We have peace with God. That's something to be thankful for. And let me explain it to you as best I can through this passage this morning. Uh, in verse one, in verse one, going back to verse one. And really, uh, as you look at the book of Romans, um, we're going to study the book of Romans one of these days too, okay? Just Lord willing, you know, probably not the next book, but maybe one one of the ones after, okay? Probably Philippians in January, for those of you who are nosy. Um, Philippians, okay? Uh, but I really want to study the book of Romans. Um, but anyways, probably Philippians. Um, verse 1 says this, Therefore, uh, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We're no longer at war. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did. Now, the songs that we sang this morning, great songs. I'm thankful that uh, Zach picked them. Uh, great songs that speak of this amazing truth that Jesus died for us, that in him we have hope. We have hope. Uh, I, I think about the, the struggles that we have represented here in this church, health problems, uh, hope for, for children who are uh, growing up, hope for children that, that are astray, loss, dealing with loss. Uh, dealing with aging and being at the last days of life. I want to tell you, this is all found and confident because of peace with God, that we can have hope because of what Jesus did. And in this passage, it constantly is going back to the work of Jesus. How do we have peace with God? Well, a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Why? Because we are weak. We couldn't figure this out. We were stuck. He uses this word, and I think it's uh, three or four times in this section. And really, as you look at the book of Romans, it's a huge word uh, described and explained over and over again. The word justified, justified. It's this idea of made right, uh, made right. Uh, you can think about it this way, that uh, we had a relational conflict with the Father and the Father brought His solution, His fix to this, and it was His Son, Jesus. 
And in so doing, that He declared us just or right by removing the penalty, the cost of our offenses. Boy, we, uh, you know, the, it's a courtroom picture. And uh, it's, it's a difficult one for us to, to picture. How many of you have been in a courtroom before? Uh, yeah, I've been in a courtroom and maybe you've been there when the verdict has been released. And, um, and I know that we've seen it on TV and dramatized and there's, and we know the backstory and and you're like, you know, they're guilty. And then it comes to the verdict and it finally comes out not guilty. And everyone goes, Oh, it's wrong. There's no justice. He was guilty and he was found innocent. This is different than that. It's this idea that God finds us just or right or not guilty or our offenses are taken care of. But it's not just a wave of a hand. It's not just a vote of 12. It's not just any people declaring that just based on their own opinion. But it's the picture that it's been taken care of. And how? The judge brought the one that would take the penalty. His name was Jesus. And so we have been justified. It's not that we are justified. In the end, you can say that, but it's not that the, you know, that we're not guilty because it was somebody else's offense. No, we are guilty. That's what makes this so uh, amazing and so difficult for us to understand. We are guilty, but because of the work of Christ, we are justified. He does the work of justification in us and to us, not because we deserved it, but because we deserve something else. Hard, Hard for us to get our head around that, I know. He declared us just by removing the penalty and paid the cost of our offenses. Many. And you say, well, I don't feel like I was that bad. Are you serious? Do you you know what a sin is in the scriptures? Yeah, murder and bad stuff. Yeah, that's in there. But also pride and selfishness. Also, idolatry that you just hold on to in your mind. Wicked thoughts that you've just thought. Words that you've said. You say, well, is he holding me accountable for my... Yes, your words. Every one of them. He's got a great calculator. He knows. And all those offenses for all of us were placed on Jesus the one of infinite worth. We're going to celebrate that in the weeks to come as well, right? That Jesus came, the one of infinite worth, so that he could save us and take care of all of our sins, each one of us. Now, what was I saying? Back to the scriptures. If you look down at verse 5, it says this, "And, and hope does not put us to shame because God's, Love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And then once again, skipping down in verse verse 8, um, verse 8 says this, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This amazing love is uh, spoken of twice, but described that he would still give us his spirit, even though we are who we are. That he would provide for us the strength. Remember, we're weak. And so he provides for us in the Holy Spirit, the strength that we need. And then speaking of his love again, uh, it says that, that Christ did it. That he uh, showed his love for us. Uh, some people, when they come to something amazing to themselves, they say mind blown, right? I say mind exploded right here. Okay, I can see heads exploding as we are, are sitting here. That That God would love us even knowing each one of our sins. As we look at this, we, we realize this, that uh, God uh, isn't confused about the future or the past or the present. He's not confused about all that. And he He didn't send his son. Historically, he sent his son at a point in time. And uh, some of us are real proud of our sins. And we say this, well, he must have not have known what a what a sinner I would become. I want to tell you, he did. He did, and that's the point of this passage, is that he uh, could figure out who you were going to be. And he knew the needs that you would have and the, the sin debt that would need to be paid. And you know what he did? He loved you. He loved you. It says... Uh, it goes through this passage, uh, and I shared this with the youth for many years. In verse 7, it says, This right time was, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a good person, one would dare even to die. If you could find a good person, if you could find someone who's righteous, if, maybe, maybe if you find one, or maybe someone would dare to die. Maybe. But God didn't find those. It says that, uh, but God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Be not confused that you didn't clean yourself up and then trust in Jesus. You came as a dirty sinner, lost, weak. And he saved you. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. As we move on, um, we come to the word reconciliation. And really the end of this is speaking of that. He used the word justified before, but reconciliation is a little bit different. Uh, verse 10, he says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Uh, much more now we are reconciled shall be saved by his life. I don't want to skip over that saved part because I think that that's important. Uh, saved by his life. Jesus died. He went to the cross, but he rose again. He rose again. Resurrection passage right here, right? Saved by his life. That we've been given life by his life, his resurrection. Uh, what, what a great truth for us that uh, we looked a few weeks back, I mentioned it already, that we are dead in our sins, but we've been made alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, because he is alive, we are alive. Um, 
Praise Him for that. But this word reconciliation, um, I was talking to someone before the service and they were talking about their remodeling project in the house. Um, and we've done this with a lot of different things. So maybe a car for you or a house or maybe a, a, a computer or something like this where you said, I can fix this. I can fix, famous last words. I can fix this. And you start getting into the project and Every bolt you move, every piece that you pull off, every uh, thing that you think you know where it goes gets you deeper and deeper and deeper. And you finally get to the place where you go, I can't fix it. Can't fix it. That was true before I started, but I really know that I can't fix it now. And you get that frantic uh, look and you say, ah, I just need to try to put as much of this back together and then sell it to some other sucker, right? I I, I need to I, I need to cut my losses, right? Uh you know, and you put in the ad or whatever you say, needs a little TLC, right? Uh that's word for it should be you know, destroyed and uh uh buried. Um be done with it. Uh reconciliation what's so amazing about this passage that he would bring in the word reconciliation is he describes the uh enemy the 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 right enemy right that this is true that we are an enemy of god and that there is a holy god who his wrath is poured out and and we are in active war and it's right that we would be at war why because of our sins it's purposeful, and and you can't get over these things. You can't get over them. As you think about uh, what it takes to negotiate a peace, as I said before, most of the time, countries just get tired of fighting. They just get tired of losing uh, uh, civilians and soldiers, and they just get tired of the cost of it. They just get tired and tired and tired. And so finally they say, hey, let's kind of be, uh, let's kind of quit this war thing, right? Okay. And I want to tell you that didn't happen between God of the universe and us. It didn't happen. We were still sinning, and he was still offended by our lives. And then he brings about this word. It says that he reconciled. What that is, is that he made things right when they could not be made right. He, he brought this reconciliation. He, the, the relationship between us and him had been, uh, fractured, not just fractured, but ruined by our sin. But it says that his desire, his desire, his work that he would do is to reconcile us, is to bring us back together, to remove that which held us apart and bring us back together. It wasn't because of our great negotiation skills or or even by shady deals and back room and somehow passing a few dollars here and there. It wasn't because there was mutual respect between us. It wasn't even the fear of retribution of, of one or the other. But our reconciliation was one. If you look down at it, 
Verse 10, it says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's how we were reconciled. And this reconciliation led to life, the life that was found in the resurrection. And then he says, more than that, we also rejoice, verse 11, uh, in God that through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received reconciliation. The highlight there is what? Is that it was a gift. It was a gift. We received it. Uh, we didn't figure it out. We weren't smart enough. We didn't go to class for it. We didn't pass the test. We didn't do any of that stuff. What was it? It was a gift that was won by the Lord Jesus Christ. Reconciliation. The problem was ours. The problem was ours. And God brought the solution for us to be done with war, done with war, permanently reconciled to him forever at the cost of his son. And, and this passage highlights this, this idea that a sinner, though I am, a sinner I am, I'm at peace with God. That it, it wasn't that I wasn't a sinner, it's that I was a sinner. And it highlights that now, because of Jesus, I'm at peace with God. Because God has done it for him or me. I want to point out one last thing. Uh, just flying through this passage, uh, Paul is talking about some pretty heavy-duty theology. The most important theology, theology of salvation. How we come to know and be in relationship with God forever, forgiven. And, and what does he keep saying? Look at it. Verse 2. Verse 2. We've obtained access by faith and this grace, and now we stand and we rejoice. And we rejoice. Why, why, why would he say rejoice? Well, he rejoices because he understands where he was and now where he is. As we, as we consider this passage, you just keep going on down through it. Verse three, uh, verse two says, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, the rejoicing of knowing that you're forgiven can now bring rejoicing in your sufferings. Why? Because you know that your soul is taken care of. If your soul isn't taken care of, what happens if you go through a fire? What happens when your health is bad? It's just insult to injury, isn't it? If your hope is only in the things of this life, when they're taken away from you, it's bad news. But we realize that because of our relationship with God, because of what he's won for us, we're rejoicing in that, but we're also rejoicing in the midst of difficult times. He goes on. And in verse 11, he ends this section by saying this. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Why is he rejoicing? Because of what God has done for him. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I don't know what's going on. I do know what's going on in some of you, but some of them I don't. And, and I don't know, uh, you know, forgive me for making it a little too, I don't know what crazy family you're going to have to visit this week, okay? And, and, and undoubtedly, uh, 
you will try to compare what you wanted next to what you have, right? And I want to tell you, the joy that you can, uh, you can be found is in the fact that he has justified you. He has reconciled you. Though you were a sinner, though you were weak and ungodly, lost, stuck, because of Jesus, you've received justification, reconciliation. He gave it to you. He loved you. Uh, what an amazing thing. And I hope that that's encouraging to you uh, as you celebrate Thanksgiving. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of uh, being with your people and being able to study the riches that are found in your word. God, you have granted us riches that we don't deserve uh, in our salvation. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to dwell on that this week as we go through life and undoubtedly are disappointed um, with the things of this life. I want to ask that you would mark us uh, with the riches of your salvation, that we would find ourselves joyful, thankful people uh, because of what you've done uh, that we did not deserve. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The men are uh, standing in the back, and uh, once again, you can participate uh, in that offering. Uh, they'll go to the, up to the people in paradise. Thank you for being